Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, Positively Pop Culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. This week, we are talking about three TV shows, The Great British Baking Show, Succession, and Ghosts. And at the end, we're going to do a little mini segment about our favorite Thanksgiving meals. But we also have some exciting news. You did some amazing work this week. You want to tell us about it? Sure. Yeah. On our 100th episode, we previewed that we might have some merch coming. And now we do. We have a Redbubble store. And we'll put a link up on the website. But if you go to redbubble.com, you can search Pause Pop Podcast and our stuff should come up. We've got some t-shirts and a mug that I'm drinking out of right now. Oh. And stickers and like little things like that. Any purchases you make will go directly to our hosting fees. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that that would be helpful, but yeah. And Christmas is coming up. It is. It is. These would all make great holiday gifts. I think the mug comes in two different styles. T-shirts come in several different color combinations. There's a couple of mouse pads. I think I'm going to snag some some <laughs> mouse pads. I don't have a mouse pad at work, actually. Oh, yeah. There you I've go. I've just been mousing straight on my desk like a farmer. That sounds terrible. <laughs> it's really, it's loud. It's gross. I hate it. So I am for sure getting at least a mouse pad and there you go. probably some shirts. Nice. And you can do double duty with your mouse pad by advertising us at the same time. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, and these have our new various color combinations, our logo, including our new the watermelon color combo, which I'm very fond of, the green and pink. So, so yeah, it's, it's all very cute. So thank you so much for doing that. You're welcome. And if you have some ideas for merch that we don't have that you want to see, let us know and we'll try to make that happen. That's a good idea. Yeah. Cool. But you have been to completely and inelegantly segue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have been watching a show that several of my other friends also have been devotees for a long time, and I have not watched this yet. Mm-hmm. And sell me on The Great British Baking Show, please. Okay. I love The Great British Baking Show. There's a new season out. Basically, they show it, I think, in the summer in the UK, and then it comes mm-hmm. on Netflix in the fall. So a new season started recently. Uh, If you're listening to this episode on the day it comes out, the final episode of the season will be in a couple days on Friday. New episodes release on Friday. And basically, you have 10 amateur bakers. No, that's incorrect. 12? (laughs) (laughs) A baker's dozen? Yeah. 13. (laughs) Something like that. (laughs) You have a number of bakers. Okay. (laughs) who get chosen to be in the tent and they do challenges. The challenges are judged by two judges, Paul Hollywood and Prue Leith. And then the hosts are Noel Fielding and Matt Lucas right now. And the hosts have changed throughout the years. And Paul Hollywood is the only one who is still one of the original cast member, I think, because it moved from, PPC to ITV or something like that. There was it was a big it was a big deal a couple years ago. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, everyone I've talked to likes it for the same reason I do, which is that it is gentle. Aww. It's a lovely like fall viewing experience. Mm-hmm. 
it's so much different from any American competition show because it's not cutthroat at all. Uh-huh. There is drama because the drama comes from are these people going to get their bakes done and different things like that. <laughs> and once you get to know the people, some of the drama comes from like, oh, is Lizzie, like, she's great at flavor combinations, but is she going to get the finesse that Paul keeps asking for this week? You know, things <laughs> like that. And it's so just like, I don't want to keep saying gentle, but it's so nice <laughs> to watch. Mm-hmm. So basically, there are three three bakes per episode. So the first one is called the Signature Bake. And the the episodes are mostly themed. So you have like Cake Week and Bread Week and, and different things like that. Mm-hmm. So they have a Signature Bake that they're allowed to practice at home. And it's supposed to be like representative of who they are. And, and sometimes they'll throw in local influences or family influences and things like that so it's always really fun to like get to know the bakers and and that one's a more casual competition because so they have this big tent and they have tables set up with all of the like an oven and mixer and all of the things that they need so for this competition paul and paul and prue kind of walk around and they ask, like, what are you making? Blah, blah, blah. And they sometimes give advice. Sometimes Paul just stares when he uh, <laughs> hears something he doesn't <laughs> like. <laughs> and then when they judge, everyone's just still at their table and Paul and Prue come around and they're like, hey, tell us about what we're going to eat and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And it's very nice. It's very, like, laid back. And then the second challenge is called the technical challenge. And either Paul or Prue sets this for them. And it's it's themed. And this one sort of gives me anxiety because they don't know what it is going into. <laughs> the challenge. There you go. The challenge is the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> they don't know what it is going into the challenge. So the hosts will tell them and then they get like this very brief instruction sheet. And it never has like baking times or the temperature or the amount of ingredients or anything it's just like mix the flour and the sugar and like oh my god bake the thing it's like what (laughs) no so if you don't know what you're doing it can be a little hard because they're looking for something very specific and you're like i've never seen this thing before or i've never eaten it and i don't know what it's even supposed to look like and things like that oh gosh but sometimes it's not that intense Mm mm-hmm but those are judged blind, so they all put them up on a table behind their picture, and the judges can't see the pictures. So they judge as blind, and then it's it's sort of nerve-wracking because they're all sitting there, and they can't react too much uh-huh. because they'll sort of give away that Paul and Prue are talking about their, their bake. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and then they rank them from worst to best, which is always kind of... A little bit nerve-wracking too because you're like oh this one's definitely not very good so it's gonna be in the oh. bottom <laughs> you know oh gosh yeah so that's the first day of the weekend and then the second day of the weekend they do their showstopper bake and this is a bigger and longer bake for like bread week it's like build us a bread sculpture centerpiece and different things like that and it usually takes like four or five hours Oh, gosh. 
And they are allowed to practice these at home too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, you never know when things are going to go wrong in the tent. Oh, man. Yeah, this one's kind of intense because they're always looking for a showstopper. So they want something that's visually impressive, but also tastes really good. Uh-huh. So sometimes it's it's hard for contestants to marry those two things. Sometimes it can taste really good, uh-huh. but it doesn't look great. Or sometimes it looks amazing, but it doesn't taste really good. So they're really <laughs> looking for someone who could do both of those things at once. And then at the end of the week... They name one star baker, so want someone who's done really well that week, and then they have to let someone go, oh. which is always really sad. I watched this week's episode last night, and I was like, I don't want any of them to go home. Oh. So there are 10 episodes of season, uh-huh. and in the last episode, there are three bakers left. Uh-huh. Usually in non-COVID times, they have all of the previous bakers and all of their families back for like this big party. Uh-huh. I actually don't remember what they did last year during COVID, but I'm not sure what it's going to look like. And then they named the the Great British Baking Show winner, and it's always really lovely. And one of the things that I love about this show is you do get to know the competitors over the course of the season, and they actually usually become friends, and they help each other out in the tent sometimes, which is really Aww. nice to see. Yeah. Like if someone's struggling or if someone, if if there are like five minutes left and someone's finished, but someone else is sort of running up to the wire, like they'll come over and be like, what do you need? What do you, how can I help you? And it's just like really sweet. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Basically, it's just like a nice, it gives me a nice feeling when I watch it. Aww. That does sound nice. I, I don't know what it is that I have not gotten on that bandwagon yet i do like noel fielding he's Mm -hmm. like a comic actor and he was in the it crowd and which i watched he wasn't a major character on that but he was always really really funny and he's been in a bunch of other stuff that i've seen bits of but one thing i got a little concerned with was matt lucas was on doctor who and stuff and i've seen him in other things but i have heard he is a little bit of an acquired taste on here yeah See what I did there? Acquired taste. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so what what is your feeling about Noel and Matt? Yeah, so they've been through a couple different hosts. In the first couple seasons, Mel and Sue were the hosts. Sue Perkins and Mel, whose last name I cannot pronounce. I'm so sorry. And then it moved to Noel Fielding and Sandy Toxvig. I really liked all four of them. Mm-hmm. And I really liked Noel and Sandy together because they were actually like visually funny because Noel's so tall and, and Sandy's so short. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Matt's not my favorite and but it it doesn't really bother me as much as it bothers other people. Mm-hmm. I know everyone was really upset when Mel and Sue and, and Mary Berry, one of the original judges, left. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's sort of something that you have to get used to. I will say that the hosts, they they do go around and, and talk to people, but they're not the whole show. So mm-hmm. I think it's something that you can sort of set aside if you end up not liking him very much. Okay. I don't know. I'm wondering if I should start with that season so I don't know any better so that, like, he won't bother me. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I was going to say go back and start with an early season, but. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, you could try that. Okay. I mean, it doesn't sound like each season 
there's not continuity too much, right? So you no. can just jump in at whatever season you want. Yeah, they are separate because okay. they have okay. a whole new batch of contestants. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, I hope you, I mean, I hope you like it if you do try yeah. it. I'll try it. Okay. I do like baking. I like to bake certain things. We can talk more about, about holiday food when we talk about Thanksgiving food, but you know, it's not like I've never baked, so I think I would have an appreciation for it. But yeah. Is it better to watch it on an empty stomach or after you've eaten or while you're eating? Cool. I would not do it on an empty stomach. <laughs> <laughs> so either after or during. Okay. Okay. That's fair. All right. <laughs> but you've been watching something not gentle at all. No. Oh my gosh. This is okay. There is no commonality here. So we'll just say this is the <laughs> diametric opposition in terms of television entertainment. I have been watching Succession, which is on HBO. And it is a, they call it a satirical black comedy drama. <laughs> okay. And basically, it's about a family who runs mostly a media based kind of business empire in New York City. And the whole show is kind of focused on the premise of the father who runs the company being in intermittently poor health. And so his children, who have varying levels of involvement with the company, are really, really jockeying for power to be named his successor. Okay. And each episode is sort of, it's not quite in real time, but it's mostly in real time. It's kind of either over the course of a day or a weekend or a couple of days during the week. So everything in terms of time is very compressed. Okay. Some of the episodes are focused on a specific either holiday or event or like a business trip or something. And it's each episode, even though it's very cinematic in terms of its look, they're all beautifully shot, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but they feel very much like a play because of how the dialogue is very witty and fast and snappy. Okay. So it has that sort of very theater style of acting. And the cast is really interesting. The The patriarch of the family is Logan Roy, played by Brian Cox. And he is blustery and terrible and annoying and mean, <laughs> just, a, just a bad person. But at moments, you do think he really does love his children as irritating as they are. <laughs> but it's sort of a, a tough love, you know? Okay. And the main... I mean, like all the kids are are important, but I, w I would say that the primary person that we sort of start out, if we're rooting for anyone, I don't know, you might be rooting for his second son, Kendall Roy, played by Jeremy Strong. And he is very heavily involved in the company. He seems like he knows business and understands business and negotiation. He's not a nice person, but he seems smart, but he's also incredibly troubled and he has an intermittent drug addiction problem. So you get the feeling that he would have been in like the the late 90s or early 2000s. He would have been like this go-getter, yuppie business bro. And he's gotten a little bit more mellow, but he has blown up his own family, like had a divorce and doesn't see his kids very much because of his drug use. And Jeremy Strong is an amazing actor who is able to convey a lot of this. And in, I think it's early, or it's late season one, early season two, he has a very, very dramatic, terrible thing that he does. 
And he goes from this position of potential power and leverage to suddenly, like his dad has blackmail material on him, basically. Oh my gosh. And so he changes, like it's a 180 where he goes from this kind of, you know, aggressive business guy to a completely broken man almost instantly. It's very interesting. So that storyline is really cool. There's also his, the third and youngest son, Roman Roy, played by Kieran Culkin. He is really dissimilar from Kendall. He is like very foul-mouthed, very, he acts very non-caring. He's very flippant. He's sarcastic. He's immature. He's more of the comic relief, but he has like some dark pain and he has trouble connecting with people. But he is much more of our our comic relief character, our breakout character, if you will. Okay. And Kieran Culkin has been, you know, a bit of a revelation in this role. He was a child actor. He's Macaulay Culkin's little brother. And to see him as this, like, almost 40-something weird guy in this drama is just <laughs> very interesting. <laughs> and he's he's fun, but he's also very cringy. It's just, it's just <laughs> awful. And then the Roys do have a daughter, Siobhan, who also goes by Shiv. And she's played by Sarah Snook. And she starts the series. She's not involved in the business. She works in like progressive politics, working on Democratic candidates' campaigns for Senate. And even like she works with a guy who seems like he might be considering running for president. And she does not really love the fact that the family company called Waystar, one of their businesses, is clearly based on like a Fox News type thing. And she works for left-leaning candidates. So it's a it's a sort of split there ideologically. Mm-hmm. But Shiv is really interesting because she she's Roman's twin sister. She does seem like she's probably the smartest of the children. And on the surface, she seems a little bit more empathetic, but she also has this really ambitious streak about her. And she also seems the most likely to kind of use people without telling them. So it's kind of She's a little bit underhanded. Like you kind of want to like her, but then she'll sometimes do things that really sabotage other people. Mm-hmm. And sometimes she even sabotages herself because of her own ambition. So she's kind of interesting. Okay. And she's she's married to Tom, who is played by Matthew McFadden. My boy. <laughs> Your boy, yes. Is it <laughs> McFadden or McFadden? I think it's McFadden. McFadden. Okay. And Tom is a weird guy. <laughs> so he's not in the family. He marries into the family. And he and Shiv have what starts out like a really cute relationship. But then it sort of becomes clear that their goals are not always in perfect alignment. She makes some rules about their relationship that he clearly goes along with because he loves her, but it's not always the best. And he's, he's just a strange guy. He's really <laughs> funny. His ambitions are sort of all over the place. He goes from running the the company has an amusement park and cruise division, and he <laughs> runs that for a while, and then he moves into running their news division. But everything that Shiv does, sort of not nice to him, he just rolls with it. But then he takes it out on this guy Greg, and Greg is sort of our Nick Carraway character. Okay, Greg is played by Nicholas Braun, and he is the patriarch's great nephew. So he's actually in the family, but his last name is not Roy, and he doesn't really know what he's doing. 
he's Nicholas Braun is extremely tall and extremely skinny. And he just visually looks awkward all the time. Like he just looks like he's always going to hit his head or fall over or something. He's just like a scarecrow. And he always seems like he's sort of barely holding it together. He just is nervous constantly. And Tom ends up as his boss. And just like I said, he takes out all of his frustrations on Greg. And then he'll const- Tom will constantly say horrible things to Greg and then be like, I'm just kidding. Ha ha. And then Greg has to kind of ha ha. But it's, it's really bad. It's really bad. And there's been some cute, like, I'll go on Reddit and look at like, episode recaps. And people are like, you know, the real love story here is Tom and Greg. And so it's, <laughs> it's kind of they, they have this very dysfunctional sort of friendship. And it's just kind of sad at times and mm-hmm. very interesting. They, they sort of seem like they're getting kind of codependent on each other because they're both sort of, they're sort of in the family, but they're a little bit outside, right? And Tom has just barely a little bit more experience and age on Greg and sort of, this is the only person he can leverage any power over. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, Greg really is in the family by blood. So there's that. So it's, they end up also having some blackmail info on each other. And it's just like, oh, it's both hilarious and also just painful. Yeah. <laughs> and then there is an oldest son, Connor, played by Alan Ruck. And which is interesting because in real life, Alan Ruck is only like 13 years older or 13 years younger than Brian Cox. So it's one of those things where the dad looks a little older than he is in real life. And Alan Ruck looks a little younger than he really is. So <laughs> I guess they make it work. But anyway, Alan Ruck is kind of the low-key, interesting other character. He's not involved in the company. He is sort of like a weird, uh, not quite a hippie, but he like lives on a ranch in New Mexico. He has a way younger girlfriend who may or may not have been a prostitute. It's a little unclear. And he has these weird delusions. He starts to get political ambition, and he's just kind of, he's very strange. And he's just barely older than the main kids to kind of seem a little removed. He's from Logan's first marriage, so okay. he doesn't share a mother with them. And and the other kids kind of see Connor as kind of like very strange. And they put up with him. They're they're mostly nice to him, but it, there's a little bit of a sense of, well, he's not a serious person at all, so we won't even assume that he could bid for power. So mm-hmm. I think that might be a mistake on their part. So anyway, and then the other character that I'll mention, Logan has a wife named Marsha who seems to have some strange ambitions of her own, and no one really seems to like her very much. But she's not quite as vital a figure as Jerry. Jerry Kelman, played by J. Smith Cameron. And Jerry is the company's general counsel. And she's Siobhan's godmother. And she's kind of this strange mentor figure to Roman. She gets a lot more involved in the company over time because Logan ends up putting her on paper as the potential successor. But she's known to just be a placeholder, and it's not going to really be her that takes over. Okay. But she's a little bit of a public face of, okay, she'll she'll maybe be a, a stopgap or an interim person. But she's really interesting because over time, she seems to get a little bit more interested in being more and more involved, and especially in advising the children, especially Roman. And she's tough. She's really competent. And it's nice to see she's kind of like supposed to be in her maybe early 60s or late 50s or something. So it's really nice to see this extremely competent middle-aged woman in this position of power. You do like competent women. I do. And there are so many competent women in this show. And (laughs) as problematic as Shiv is in terms of her ambition, she's extremely competent for the most part. So, so yeah. Cool. 
it sounds really, really dark, but I will say that it is extremely funny at times. And it's really, the whole thing is very thinly veiled as like an allegory of a lot of these big business people that exist in real life. So mm-hmm. it may not be a complete analog to the Trump family because they're all much, much more competent than the <laughs> Trumps, I would say. They're better at business and it's a much more successful company. But you can also see it as maybe analogous to Ted Turner's family, who actually does do media stuff with like CNN and whatnot. But it's sort of like, it's obviously drawing on inspiration from a lot of different sources. And you absolutely could imagine people like this. Mm-hmm. They're extremely rich. They're extremely entitled. They're very new money. So they're kind of crass in certain ways. And it's also got a lot of like modern day Downton Abbey sort of visual interest to okay. it because you get to see a lot of really nice interior design and <laughs> fancy meals and, and all this. And it's beautifully shot. So I'll just say that again. It's been very, very critically acclaimed. Extremely so. Cool. These actors are all very, very top notch. And it's the kind of show where, especially toward the end of seasons, really game changing stuff happens. Like okay. dramatic, bizarre, left field. You know, it's very HBOE, you know, all those things. So mm-hmm. I don't know if you would like it at all. Yeah. I feel like you might think it's funny. It's, not as stressful as some things that I mentioned watching okay. that I emphasize this. I don't feel stressed out that much watching it. Okay. It sometimes can come off a little a little slow at times, but it's always in the service of building up to these big explosive things. And and sometimes people just just I don't know, the sheer grossness of their wealth sometimes leads them to do things that are just like jaw dropping. So okay. yeah. Yikes is a good word. <laughs> I'm not sure if I want to watch this. <laughs> but but Matthew McFadyen is in it and constantly in it. He's got such a huge role. And he is handsome. And, you know, I don't know. There's a lot of attractive people on here doing horrible things. So <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's the part that stops me, the doing horrible things. We'll see. We'll see yeah. if, I, if I try it. Yeah, I'll let try, you know. Try it out. Okay. But I convinced you to watch something else, which is maybe a little bit more pleasant. Yes, much more pleasant. We've been watching Ghosts, which is on CBS Uh slash Paramount Plus. And it is a half hour comedy where a young couple played by Rose McIver and Utkarsh M. Budkar. I'm not sure if I said that correctly. I hope so. I think that's close. Yeah. Okay. They play Samantha and Jay. Samantha inherits an old mansion, and when they go there, they decide to fix it up and try to make a B&B out of it. Samantha has an accident, she hits her head, and she suddenly can see all of the ghosts of the people who have died in this area. (laughs) (laughs) And they really run the gamut through time. The most recently dead is Trevor. I think he died in like early 2000s maybe and he was like a wall street bro or something Mm -hmm. he does not wear pants unfortunately no No. he apparently died without pants on but he's wearing like a dress shirt and a tie and a blazer yeah so clearly he was i i like to imagine he was getting ready to go somewhere okay (laughs) something i don't know (laughs) we'll say that yes yeah and then some of the oldest ghosts are isaac who is from the Revolutionary War, and he was a general or something. Mm -hmm. Oh, Thorfinn, the Viking? Oh, Thorfinn, yeah. 
He's probably the, yeah, I think he's technically the oldest. Yes, you're right. There's also Sasapis, who is Mm -hmm. Native American. So he might be the second oldest. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, but they really run the gamut of time. Do you want to talk about the ghosts more or do you want to, what do you, what do you want to do? Maybe I might, one of my favorite ghosts is Pete, who was a Boy Scout leader. He died in 1985. He was shot. He was on a Boy Scout, like, camp out on the land of the mansion, and one of his kids accidentally shot him through the deck with an arrow. Yeah. So, like, he walks around with, like, this arrow poking out of his little Boy Scout <laughs> kerchief. And I just find that visual kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. I also like Alberta a lot. She, mm-hmm. like, died in flapper era times, I think, and she's mm-hmm. a jazz singer. Yeah. She's wonderful, and she... Basically, she had a heart attack, but she has been convinced that someone murdered her with poison. (laughs) Mm -hmm. One of her things is like, find out who murdered me. And everyone's like, no one murdered you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And there's a couple other ones that sort of, they kind of cycle through and not every ghost is in every episode. But there's also in the basement of the house, there's like people who died of cholera or something. And they're, they look like zombies and it's really creepy. And in some episodes, Sam goes out of the house and can see ghosts elsewhere in the town, Mm -hmm. which is kind of interesting. And yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating for Jay because he can't actually see them. So she has to translate a lot. And the ghosts can't really interact with the physical world very much, except for Trevor can like barely. And so there's a lot of comedy around like, like Isaac wants him to look something up on Wikipedia for him. And so Trevor, it likes all his effort to like type one letter on a laptop. And so it takes like an hour for, to get anything. There's one that I just saw from this week where he has to write a message in steam on a bathroom mirror. And it's just like, ugh, oh, it's all this effort. And it's just painful. And he puts like four words on the thing and it took like forever. So yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of timing that goes into it because jay can't see the ghost so sometimes when jay and samantha are like having this conversation but the ghosts are all around chiming in and only sam could see them mm-hmm. in episode four they had a dinner party with another couple from across the street mm-hmm. so there were three people who couldn't see the ghost and three of the ghosts in the room and then more of the ghosts came in the room so i'm always pretty impressed with how they time everything because it's a it's like a 22 minute show mm-hmm. and they have to get in the whole storyline and the people who can't see the ghost have to like do normal things while the ghosts are talking to sam and different things mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. so i think it's i think it's really well done in terms of that mm-hmm. and also i think yeah all the ghosts have different personalities and there are a lot of jokes about how like hetty is a ghost she's the great great grand aunt of sam or something like that which is how she inherits the house but mm-hmm. she she lived in a time when women couldn't vote so they're trying to vote for a ghost representative to go talk to sam and hetty just doesn't want to vote because she's like it's not the place of a woman <laughs> <laughs> alberta has to try to convince her and different things like that and sometimes trevor explains things and the other people are like i don't i didn't understand any of those words yeah (laughs) (laughs) because they're all from different time periods so yeah yeah, it's even cuter than i expected and funnier Mm -hmm. than i expected 
I thought it was going to be a bit silly, but it's actually been very delightful. Yeah. There's actually, you're not to this point yet, but there's episode six is called Pete's Wife. And it's all about Pete getting some internet access and deciding to find out what happened to his wife okay. after he died. And that that actually, I cried at the end of that episode. Oh like, it's a very lighthearted, silly show. But this episode was extremely moving. Episode eight is called D&D. And it's all about how Jay misses his old Dungeons and Dragons Aww. friends. So the ghosts, because Pete was a big D&D nerd when in the 80s. So <laughs> Sam figures out a way to help Jay and some of the ghosts play D&D together. Oh my which god, is that's cute. Really cute. Yeah. <laughs> it is based on a British series from 2019. And that is running on HBO Max. And I watched the first episode of that. Okay. And I have to say, I didn't think the couple was as cute and charming as Jay and Sam are. <laughs> and the ghosts... There are analogs and like there's there's actually a guy who doesn't have any pants on and there's a guy who doesn't have a head just like the American <laughs> show. And so there's there's some inspiration there, but I did not think it was as cute. So okay. I'm, I don't think I'm going to probably watch more of that. But I do want to give a shout out to the guy who plays Isaac. Brandon Scott Jones is also on the other two on HBO Max. Okay. And he is hilarious on both shows. Very, very different roles. But one of the things about his character, the the Revolutionary War officer, he's closetedly gay. And there's moments when Sam can kind of pick up on that. And it's very encouraging of him to come out without actually saying so. And that storyline has gotten kind of interesting. But he's very put out that Alexander Hamilton, who he knew in life (laughs) and was kind of adult, has gotten so much more famous. Yeah. And has a musical written about him. <laughs> and has a musical written about him. So he wants Sam to write his memoirs. Yeah. I think that's a funny storyline. Yes. And she agrees to write the memoirs because she's a writer. But then he's like, and also turn it into a musical. And she's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> And there's also, there's an episode, I don't know if you've gotten to this one yet, where Thorfinn and Sasapis start watching a reality show no. <laughs> together. And I can't remember the name of it, but it, basically the premise of the reality show is it's a, it's a very cold house and all these people wear like big coats and they're like all supposed to be in like a dating competition. And over time, the producers turn the heat up and so the people start taking clothes off and it's just stupid. And <laughs> yeah. But the two of them who were pre-television start watching this show together and it's just pretty funny. So yeah, it's just really cute. I really yeah. enjoy it. It's kind of stupid. But it's cute, stupid. Yes, exactly. And you know what? Stupid is what I need right now. Yes, very much so. I will say Rose McIver was the main girl in iZombie. So she's kind of continuing that career of playing supernatural adjacent people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's very good. She's a very charming lead, I think. Yes, yes. Yeah, I would highly recommend this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to probably watch some more tonight. Cool. Yeah. And as we're recording this, there's no, there's also no good transition here. This is dropping the day before Thanksgiving. So I'm just curious, like, there's not a ton of good Thanksgiving TV episodes. There's a few, but just thinking of Thanksgiving in general, do you have particular food that you're, you're feeling very positively and pumped about? I'm just curious. (laughs) I'm always pumped about the mashed potatoes. I don't love a lot of traditional thanksgiving food actually oh wow. so okay. yeah the potatoes are my big go-to okay what about you 
I probably I like the potatoes. I do probably most like stuffing. Good mm. good stuffing with gravy on it. And I'll go like very basic with that. Some some good stovetop basic stuffing. But also, you know, I, I think I've made in the past like wild rice stuffing and had a bunch of other more homemade types of stuffing. And really whatever people want to do, as long as it's really nicely seasoned, that's that's my jam. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. See, my big food thing is like, if I'm going to have a feast, mm -hmm. I would like it to be breakfast food. Oh, okay. <laughs> Not so much breakfast food involved in Thanksgiving. I know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so my stuff with Thanksgiving is like, I like to watch the Macy's Day Parade a bit. I like the mm -hmm. musical excerpts that they do from that. And it's just the slowing down, I think. And like mm -hmm. relaxing. That's what I, and spending time with family. That's what I like about Thanksgiving. Yeah. Agreed. Cool. I hope you have a lovely Thanksgiving. You too. Yeah. Thanks. So next week, we're talking about the novel, The Final Girls Support Group, Adele's new album and TV special, and the movie Black Widow. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find me on Twitter at KW Taylor Writer. And me at Carrie Gessner. And you can find us together on Twitter at Pause Pop Podcast. If you want to email us, you can do that at positivelypopculture at gmail.com. You can also find our website at positivelypopculture.com, and from there you can find the link to our merch store. And please, rate us and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening, stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. <laughs> <laughs>